Thank you very much. It's, uh, I really appreciate uh, the Reynolds for having me here and the, the possibility of uh, speaking to this uh, actual and potential readership of the young people of this country and many other countries. I've been reading the resumes. I'm very impressed by your backgrounds, what you have achieved, uh, not only in science and technology and the humanities, but I see also that there's a lot of people who swim and play football and wrestle among you. I hope there are a lot of readers as well. Um, to, at the end of the uh, Second World War, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre uh, spoke with great eloquence in France about the writer's responsibility, the social and political uh, responsibility of the writers. Unfortunately, these remarks came in the middle of the tensions of the Cold War, uh, so that immediately a writer that responded to political uh, needs and aspirations uh, that accepted a political compromise was classified as being a communist. And a writer who uh, preached the freedom of writing put, was put in the category of the art for art's uh, sake. In the third world, these uh, Manichaean divisions were complemented by uh, the fact that these were times of uh, nationalist affirmation in what was then known as the third world, the developing world today, so that again you had a deep rift between nationalist writers who uh, took on uh, compromises and cosmopolitan writers who did not care about the nation. It was very simplistic, local, universal. Uh, the fact is that we had a lot of bad writers with good intentions. This was the result of these uh, pronounced uh, divisions. I remember uh, a professor in Mexico giving a lecture on Marcel Proust back in the 1950s and ending with a ringing call saying, anybody who reads Proust becomes immediately Proust, Proustituted. Proustituted. Uh, and in uh, France, the communist daily, uh, L'Humanité, ran a banner saying, should we burn Kafka? Should we burn Kafka? Uh, so I, I'm uh, going to uh, spend a few seconds speaking about this most important writer of the 20th century, probably in a sense, the most important writer, Franz Kafka. Why should Kafka be burnt? Why was Kafka banned by both the Nazi regime and the Stalinist regime as irrelevant. Was he irrelevant or was he uh, too dangerous? The power of Franz Kafka, when you come right down to it, is that he is so open to multiple interpretations. You cannot pigeonhole Kafka uh, easily. And uh, what Kafka is talking about is power and our relationship to power. Are we the victims of power or are we indeed guilty? Are we guilty and guilty of what? This relation of the individual to power, which I consider central to the work uh, of Kafka, tries to answer uh, numerous questions. One question, do we, it is we who create power uh, and then become the subjects of our own creation? Is power real or is it virtual, a myth a part of our imagination. Who lives up there in the castle in Kafka's novel? Is it really inhabited by a powerful ogre or is it uh, inhabited by nothing, by a vast nothingness? What is there? The question stands. Uh, 
Is it we who dress the emperor? Are all emperors in the world truly naked and we give them their clothes? To go back to Anderson's fairy tale, do we turn the ghost of power into the body of power? Kafka died too soon in the 1920s to witness how these uh, visions of his became realities, terrible realities, under the totalitarian regimes of the 20th century. Not only in uh, the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany, also the McCarthy period in this country shows how pervasive and universal that danger can be. Now today in uh, comfortable societies, uh, freedom of speech sometimes is taken for granted. And uh, writing is considered maybe amusing, perhaps uh, irrelevant, which makes uh, me wonder why when a totalitarian regime comes into existence, the first thing it does is to burn books, ban writers, send them into exile, send them to prison. Do we need tyranny to remind us of the social and political importance of the freedom of uh, writing? What is the social and political relevance of the writer? It's a question that stands today, uh, whether the writer holds political views or not. If he or she holds political views, then we should consider them a citizen. I remember a time when uh, Pablo Neruda, the Chilean poet, told me we must all take on the responsibility of our people in Latin America. Each one of us, writer, painter, musician, goes around with the body of his people on his back. But as Latin American societies have diversified, as a civil society has come into existence, freedom of the press, unions, agrarian co-ops, a middle class, freedom of the press, elections, parties, etc. This has become less of a patent uh, responsibility as the one expressed uh, <clears throat> by Pablo Neruda 40 or 50 years ago. So if today a writer has a political mission to accomplish, he can accomplish, he or she can accomplish it within the realms of party politics by participating in uh, the public discourse, in the public uh, debate. But uh, when the writer is not political, explicitly non-political, he never, he or she nevertheless become political in spite of themselves for a very simple reason, that we all writers, we all employ words and the imagination. And you cannot conceive of a sane society, a healthy society, without looking at the health of words and the imagination. If they are absent, that society is in trouble. A society needs words, it needs imagination. Now, words and imagination do not only reflect reality, they go well beyond that to create another reality, a reality that was not there before. Uh, Don Quixote and Hamlet are figures of the imagination. Yet, it becomes impossible to consider the world, to imagine the world, without Don Quixote or Hamlet, to give two examples who are sometimes truer, more real, than even our neighbors. Uh, there is no reality without them. In the second place, words and imagination give us a plurivocal reality. Politics tends to be ideological, religion tends to be dogmatic, 
But literature is always ambiguous. It is uh, a search for truths. No uh, real book ever has the truth in its hands. It's not sure of it. It is looking at all sides of a question. It is doubting any established or given truths. Another important aspect of the function of literature in society is uh, that words and imagination are think complete history. If you take a novel like War and Peace by Tolstoy, yeah, you have <clears throat> a vivid sensation of the Napoleonic invasion of Russia in 1812, but Tolstoy gives you something the history books do not. He gives you the personal lives of the people involved in the conflict. He gives you the personal lives of Natasha and uh, Pierre and uh, what is happening in the minds and souls of people as the events, as the historical events unfold. <clears throat> that is that uh, uh, in literature, history is not only uh, uh, reflected. In a sense, history is created. Literature creates another reality. It creates, it gives us a deeper image of ourselves. How many times reading a book don't we feel that we're looking at a mirror, that we are reflected in that mirror of the books, and that we are starting to understand ourselves much better than we ever did before, that we're discovering facets uh, uh, of ourselves that we never before imagined were there, that uh, we are seeing through a book our own unrealized possibilities, what we can do as individuals in society, with ourselves, in relation with our fellow men and women, that uh, literature is giving us a broader space for our behavior and setting out the possibility of new claims, both personal and social, our new desires. Finally, uh, literature has a peculiarity that it is probably the only art that is identical to its own material, which is speech. Painting, sculpture, music, all transform material into art. Only in literature are we forced to reproduce, when we write, the speech that we use, the language, the words that we use, but with a great demand on the part of the art, a great demand, and that is to transform the copper of speech into the gold of art. So these are demands I think are very present in the mind of a writer today, and I thank you very much for your attention. Thank you very much. Thank you.